1: Our listeners from Los Angeles to Long Island age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. For many older Americans, moving to an assisted living community offers a bridge between aging in place with occasional, but not really enough, socialization and starting another phase of life, exploring new relationships and being engaged in activities suited to their needs. But how can families choose recreational programs that they believe will truly enhance the lives of their loved ones? In today's episode, Maria Leonardo, who has spent almost three decades as a professional working in the field of life enrichment programs and activities for seniors, will talk about her wide range career and insights. Maria has planned, designed, and implemented original programming, monthly calendars, special events, and newsletters for numerous adult care communities, including independent living, assisted living, and skilled nursing facilities. She'll explain how activity and recreational professionals work together with families and staff to discover and maximize the positive abilities of residents. To meet the people where they are, she says. Maria also has an eclectic background in teaching and communications. She is a voiceover talent, having created and voiced numerous radio commercials. And she will describe this influence in shaping some innovative programs that she created in adult communities across Florida and New York. Programs that cross into the intergenerational divide like a senior Girl Scout group that joined with a local Girl Scout troop in a collaborative activities like making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches together, reading programs with school kids of different ages, and art projects with preschoolers. Programs commemorating 9-11 with thought-provoking personal questions for both young and old about how to achieve peace in the world. Essentially programs that let kids find out about senior residents and residents to find out about kids. They are the hope of the future. Finally, Maria will talk about what families need to watch for when checking out the life-enriching programs of prospective communities, a chance to experience new things, whatever their abilities. So now it's time to meet today's guest, Maria Leonardo. Maria, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Ron. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah. So before we get into your eclectic background, uh, I, I love guests who have a, uh, a you know a journey, a, a rich journey. But let's, let's just talk a little bit first about... Um, what it is that you do right now and what what, just describe what your role is as director of campus life enrichment and volunteers. um, uh.
2: Well, in our community in Sarasota, Florida, there are levels of care, but not in what we think of with a continuing care community. It's a rental community. So people get what they need at the time they need it. So we have a memory community, assisted living a skilled nursing center and an independent living community. And I oversee all of the programming with regard to our residents who live within.
1: Right, right. Now, there are different, you know, uh, areas of expertise. Um, If you could just talk a bit about what what that involves, you know, being a certified activity consultant or, you know, a specialist. What what are the what are the certifications that you get, you know, when you uh, get involved with this field?
2: Well, there are different tracks that you can take, and there are some people who have been certified, I think we spoke about this at one point, they're certified therapeutic recreation specialists. So that is an area where you see people from all ages, very, very young to the very, very old. They learn therapeutic recreation, and that is leisure pursuits. It's amazing at all ages, really. And then there is the area in which I'm certified in, and that is I'm the... um, I'm certified through NCAP, which is the National Certification Council of Activity Professionals, and also the APNCC, which recently changed and was NAP, the National Association of Activity Professionals. Uh, I like to say that that certification in those realms, and they have different journeys and different avenues that you can get certified, those tracks that you take within those bodies, those organizations, will, the organization I'm a part of, is really specialized, which means we are like the doctor who is just dealing with cardiology rather than the general practitioner, which is through our CTRSs mm-hmm. and therapeutic, therapeutic recreation uh, area. So I have done that track because my background and what I went to school for was different when I went to college for and getting involved with seniors immediately. I applied some of my teaching background and other elements of what I can do into that area of my certification.
1: Mm. Yes, Mayor. So that interesting uh, background you started with. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about how then you actually work with the families and other staff members because you you've done you do quite a bit. You work with the staff in terms of developing them, but also then work with the families to really determine where their loved one is at.
2: It was interesting the other day, uh, a family member who lives in the independent living community has a husband. her, her spouse was, is in the declining cogn- not cognition era, you know, and so therefore, with that declining cognition, she is finally admitting that there's some things that are happening. Right. So that person is now going to be moving into our memory community, and for her first tour of the community, she's fairly open-minded, but many family members are dealing with trying to realize where their loved one is at. She lives with him; mm-hmm. she sees that every day. Right. But other people who might be in the community at large are far away from their family members. Their parents are elsewhere. They remember their parents as what they were doing 20, 25 years ago. So when we went through the community and toured, she saw people looking, sitting down in memory together. And they were in this memory community and they were sitting together and looked like no one was with them and what's happening. And I tried to explain is that we have to look at the people at where they're at and who they are now now and not lose sight of who they were. Right. But what we really want to do is understand that people will be changing. It's ever evolving. And to accept them where they are will take away the stressors for the caregiver and also for the resident who can feel that stress from someone else. Right. And in our community, we allow our residents to go about what they want to do with the supervision of assisting and helping and, and guiding, but this is very important. So I work with families to understand, well, let's be realistic. I always say, you know, a a loved one comes and, or a resident will say, oh, let's knit because, you know, they're, they've knitted, they crocheted the needlework and all of this stuff that hangs on their walls and they expect, well, this is a great thing. This is Mm -hmm. what mom always liked to do. She can continue to do this. Well, is that what mom is, wants to do now?
1: Right. Right.
2: So it becomes problematic because their hands may not work as well. They may know that they're frustrated about this is the person that themselves, not the caregiver, knows something is going on. And so they may not be comfortable working with their hands and doing that now. So you have to really divert them, offer something different for them to do. And that is what you do through assessments and spending time and talking to the resident themselves as well.
1: Right. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, as you started to say um, you know, people think they know their parents and, uh, you know, they, what their parents would like to do. And it turns out maybe not. <laughs> They're, it's all so,
2: a reversal, really, Ron. Right. What it is, is, you know, you grow up your whole life and your parents are telling you what to do and helping you and guiding you. Now you're the grown up and right. you're telling your parents. Right. And so it's an interesting hat to wear as a as a family member as to what to decide to do with mom or dad or what situation we're in, and how we and. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. And, and some, cycle. you know, just like the other way around, uh, when you're the, the child, the assumptions are made about you and it's like, well, you got to ask. They might have something different in mind or they might, yeah, they might have liked knitting before, but now they want to do something else. So you really have to, you know, deal with them and engage them and really uh, talk directly with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about working with staff too? How do you work with staff in terms of training them and putting together these programs?
2: Well I have done many designs of programs through the years as you mentioned the number of years that I've worked in this field and uh, larger projects and smaller ones and making a calendar mm-hmm. in any community is a structural thing. We go with times and certain times of the day around other activities of daily living ADLs which would include meal times and food and so forth. so you design a calendar based upon, normal life if you could engage someone to be participatory and what types of things you want them to do. So in working with that calendar design, I've created programs themselves, and I start there sometimes with the staff. And what is the goal of the outcome? I was very fortunate. I wrote for a publication out of Colorado. Mm -hmm. In the last few years, they're actually around. They're called Creative Forecasting. And they had become the Bible in which most activity professionals would refer to for sources. It was a tangible yellow book everybody knew you had. You can always go to as a staff member to find the information out. And as I say, in the last few years, they would asked me to write for them. I had gone to a conference and, and I became one of their writers and they just recently closed their doors because of everything that's going on in the pandemic. Right. There are other resources that are available. And of course, that is what we go to and we direct our staff to. But yes, there's a multitude, a variety of different sources that you have, but you've got to do an assessment of the residents and understand them. So I encourage the staff to meet the residents, to talk to them, to find out what it is where they're at. And there's an assessment like what did you used to do? What did you do as a career? What did you do for hobbies when you were younger? What kinds of things do you like? And of course, one of the things that life enrichment and the activity field and life engagement or whatever it happens to be called, um, no matter what setting you're in or whom you're doing, is that it's the understanding that it's the psychosocial, the spiritual and the physical areas in which we try to meet their needs and get involved Mm. with them. So some communities will have wellness and physical fitness programs and all of that underneath the life enrichment department where they're supervising and spearheading and working with a team if they're lucky and fortunate, enough, depending upon the size right. of a community that you're involved with. But um, yes, yeah, so I work with staff to design the programs and and usually I'm at this point in the game of just massaging programs they mm-hmm. create mm-hmm. because the philosophy is if the if the staff member isn't going to be a part of that process, then therefore they're not going to buy into it because it's not their own. Right. So they have to really be able to develop it themselves. And I sometimes, because of my writing ability, I've done a lot of writing in different areas. I can change that name and put something on there. Um, Many things happen in senior long-term care. When you're thinking about it, there's um, a federal and state guidelines in Mm -hmm. every uh, state. Right, right. And those things govern the types of things you do with programming to some degree in terms of what expectations are uh, and what you do when you're providing programs and how you let people know about them so that residents and staff are informed about the locations, let's say, or the time of the day that they are. So it's important to kind of gear it towards adult appropriateness. Um, You know, when you think of some people, for instance, there used to be, you would say, well, we're going to do a sensory program. A lot of state surveyors and people don't like that terminology to say that we're going to do something that you're doing therapy. And uh, we've gotten away from that. We've learned, for instance, adults love to color.
0: Mm-hmm. Have
2: you seen the adult coloring books? That I have out? seen them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, heard. interestingly enough, adults love to color. It's relaxing. Right. It's a gives you something to do. You get an out and you get a result. Right. So now in my community, I called it fine arts and uh, fine mm-hmm. adult coloring. And so it it really, but years ago would be like if you put a crayon in front of somebody, oh, that's childish. Right. Well, people want to we get older, you know what? A lot of us really wish that we could be younger again.
1: Right. Right.
2: So the relationship be between young and old, it's it's really just how you view it. If it's a negative connotation, yes, but you've got to make it positive.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when I think about sort of recreational activities, you know, I, I sort of, you know, being a person of words like you, I, I think about, you know, recreating, you know, thinking about using this period of life to recreate, you know, a lot of the sentiments of when you're younger and feeling that, you know, a, a ability to play color outside the lines if you want. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: But, um, but-
2: exactly. You have to come to a memory community when they're working on these, what we call the templates. We give them some mm-hmm. basis of something to color if they want to color it, if they want to draw outside the line. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a creative expression for them. And sometimes it's the visual depth of something. And what we do is we might offer a book with a picture in it so that they can see something off of that and then they can create what they're doing. So we're reaffirming whatever... Action they're taking at that level, for instance, is acceptable and it's fine, and you have a comfort level that no one is grading you, right? No one is judging you and that you can sit there and you're among everyone else. So it's it's really important because you do see creative. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, I have my independent living community where I have wonderful wonderful um, teacher who's one of my residents. She's mm-hmm. a very well-known. She does great artwork. She's fantastic. And before I left my vacation, I said to her, you know, Ruth, it's amazing what you do. It's wonderful that you have that talent and you're willing to let students come and create and, and you have patience in doing that. And she thanked me and said, you know what? I appreciate what you do. Yeah. You're the same way you do those kinds of things. And so it was kind of mutual love, relationship. Right. But in independent living, she sets up a picture and she comes around and doesn't criticize, doesn't mm-hmm. judge. It's a certain style of teaching, I think, to some degree, too. And yeah. my background in, in teaching is. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. About. So
1: you started out in teaching, actually, right? And then you, you shifted you know, where what you were teaching, you were writing, you were doing uh, voiceover work. So how did you make the shift to um, uh, life enrichment courses?
2: Interesting, really. Um, and sometimes I don't know how I made that journey exactly, but it, it did. Um, basically, I started out um, with a degree in, in teaching that I hadn't fulfilled completely in New York and wasn't sure I wanted to get back into mm-hmm. radio and broadcasting, which was what I loved to do and thought I would be able to you know, uh, get involved in doing that. And then I wanted to work because I'm the type of person that I have to keep busy. So I'm doing right. a lot of different things. Right. And I started in a senior adult home and did programs with them. And then as I got more involved with doing those programs, I found I find people interesting. And Mm -hmm. I think that part of the reason why I wanted to get into journalism and broadcasting was because I was interested in what the world is and what we are. And so I feel I've done the best of all by being able to bring young and old together. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. really an opportunity, whereas a teacher, you have to go through so many hoops, bureaucratic Mm -hmm. policies, you have to teach for the test, you have a lot of other things that you have to do. So in my realm, I can go to a school and I have gone to a school mm-hmm. year after year after year when I was over in West Palm Beach, Florida mm-hmm. to talk about doing a, the program over every year because they had four different principals wow. in the nine and a half years that I did this program. I had to talk to them and, and try to sell it over again that they could come over to our school and do this program and it was really worthwhile. Right. So, you know, I, that, in that instance, it's so important, I think, you know, um, and the community service aspect of it. When you see, you know, I'm sure we can elaborate more on Mm -hmm. this. But it's amazing the relationship for people, young people who are out in the community, and you're being taught business practices because we're, you know, going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to learn what kind of field you want to get into. That you find out that you can possibly get involved with the community and find out different areas, whether it's working with, you know, recycling and learning how our community works with that and how we can make better advances in recycling for the, our local area, for our state area, for our country, and maybe for the world. I mean, you have these future leaders of tomorrow and they can choose what area they're going to get into and make that difference. So right. when you do that with the community at large and they get this opportunity for community service well, then they can go ahead and see what it's like in senior residences. Right. And many of them become occupational therapists or they become speech therapists or they become physical therapists. And that's the area where you see a lot of people doing some of their internships. But if we had more schools involved, and I have a lot of feeling about that. Okay. So, uh, right. Pretty important to yeah. me about that.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, you know. yeah. And I and I think that, um, you know, when you were talking before about, uh, you know, uh, just – and, and instructing people as to how to find out about the programs and get be engaged in the programs in in these uh, communities, the well, communities, I think that your my sense is that your teaching and your communications background really helped shape that because you know one of the problems of a lot of these programs is how do people find out about them? How do they know about them? So just an awareness that people have different ways to find out about things, and you've got to really focus on not only. You know, the programs themselves, but if you will, sort of marketing, whether it's externally or internally, let people know about that.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and um, also accepting that this is our society. We have people who live in these communities. Let's make them to the high standard they should be. It's like going to college for 85 year olds, if you think of it that way. That's great. Yeah.
1: So, we're going to just take a quick, short break now, uh, Maria. Uh, But, folks, uh, there's much more to come with Maria Leonardo life enrichment experts specializing in senior programs so don't go anywhere we'll be right back
0: find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn
3: are you looking for ways to make your business and your life better? Maybe it's time to think outside the box. Host Elsa Palmer-Oden and her guests help you to rethink the way you approach challenges and strategies to get yourself on the right track. It's about business. It's about investing. It's about personal assistance and automation. But most importantly, it's about taking control of your life for the better. Outside the Box with Elsa can be heard Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, Racing's regular guy, is the perfect compliment for the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel win prizes just for calling in.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: So welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward, where we're talking today with Maria Leonardo, an expert in senior enrichment programs specializing in adult care facilities of all types. Uh, Before the break, we were talking to Maria about, um, you know, her her background in communications and uh, teaching as it how it informed what she did, um, you know, in these communities. Uh, And uh, we'll talk more about that. But first, I wanted to get a little bit more of a sense of of examples of some of her programs, which are very interesting. Uh, and they, they do really, uh, come, you know, go into that, uh, in between the generational divides and, and really look at how seniors, uh, as the roles of, as they age, how society views them, how they view themselves, how young people engage with them. So Maria, there are a couple of programs I wanted to, to, to highlight. Um, one of them you mentioned to me earlier was about, um, you know, uh, the uh, senior Girl Scout troop, which I found, you know, interesting. Talk, talk, tell me about that.
2: Okay. Well, I was working in uh, Massapequa in New York. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, what was happening was that we had several young Girl Scout troop leaders who were getting their bronze awards and whatnot, and would come to set up programs and think about what they could do with our seniors, which was a smart, very intuitive idea. Uh-huh. And so we came up with this idea that, we had one of our residents who was um, African American, mm-hmm. and she was the only one of all the residents who participated in different things we did that was actually a Girl Scout before. Hmm. And so, interestingly enough, we thought, "Hey, listen, let's go ahead and see what we can do and get these other people to become Girl Scouts." So we signed them up as Girl Scouts, uh-huh. and so we started this senior Girl Scout troop. In fact, it went into the local paper and mm-hmm. and so forth, and and talked about how we were putting together peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that were being given to local shelter and so forth uh-huh. Uh-huh. to people in need. And the company that I work for was able to go ahead and pay for the supplies, so we they donated that, which was nice. And the residents were involved in making them and packaging them. And they felt very important, a part of different things they were doing. So that was one of the things. And from there, we led and got involved with um, with a program where we collected hats and scarves and things for the wintertime for for anyone who needed them, the homeless and so forth, too. Brilliant. So, yeah, that was a program that um, involved the young people spearheading an idea that the seniors were put to work on. So mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting yeah,
1: twist. Yeah. I'll yes, look at that. absolutely.
2: A Switched. little bit different. Yeah. And um, they were more than happy to participate in it. You'll yeah. you find that if you have a good reason, people will come together for it. You know that in just about any part of society. Right. But as far as seniors who are now maybe not in their home mm-hmm. any longer, they're not driving their car. We as Americans have a visual of what we should aspire to and what we should have. Right. We need to have that car, we need to have that great house, whatever it is. And after all the years of being in this field and being around older people, right. I've learned mostly from them, not about the things that they have, but about who they are as identity, whether it's their children, because yeah. many of them were housewives and very proud and pleased about their children or their successes in the working world and things that they have done or any philanthropic efforts that they have done. So I think we break down this idea that as we age, oh my loved one that I don't want to I told them I'd never put them in one of those places. Right. That that's not the mentality we should see ourselves as Americans, Mm -hmm. but setting these communities as we do the universities and colleges we do for young. Right. When you think about it, we're aging more. So what happens is we realize, and I talk to older people, some of them say, I don't need all this stuff. Uh, it's too much. Right. And right. we find with people who have cognitive deficits, it is too much. It's overstimulating to have all of it. They don't know what mm-hmm, to do first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're told we have to pay our bills. We have to do this. We have to have that. We have to take care of the house. So as you know, from that article I had written for the blog you have done, it was the kind of a thing where you take these things away. They don't, they're not measured Right. by those things they don't have to worry about them they don't have to stress and now they can come into a community where they can be purposeful
1: right right yeah I think that uh you you were referring to an article you'd written for my uh, website some years ago that uh I was looking at recently it still holds up quite well in terms of uh, uh your thoughts and I think that so two things one is that I think that these you know uh, these uh, communities, these adult care communities, whatever they are, can be legitimately thought of as campuses, you know, and, and you and I talked about, you know, you can have uh, college campuses, you know, that there are are environments for your children. Why not continue that notion as we get older? And I think that, you know, certainly this is something that's happening, that people are really understanding this life notion of lifelong learning really is important and it keeps you stimulated, it keeps you purposeful. And um I think that's true and I and I think that it, it is true too that, that what what is left behind it's the relationships you know the houses are great um, but they're structures and it's the relationships you're looking for so
2: yeah when I orient staff of all different disciplines, I always say to them think about yourself in 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is going to be most important to you then when you think about it? Are you going to be thinking about that car? Well, I should have bought that car when you're really, really sick. Oh my gosh. No, you might be thinking about what did I do with myself? What have I done with my life and relationships? And that is really pivotal. If we take that back a few years and we do it in the land of the living and we, before someone is in that situation, we can put to good use the, and we see this all the time. We see the successful seniors at 96, 97, who are out still biking and they're still doing this and they're still thriving. I have a resident in my community who um, makes teddy bears Mm -hmm. and she knits them and she puts them together and she gives them. We send them to the hospital, children, pediatrics hospital, to Shriners, kids. And these kids are getting these new little teddy bears that are being made. And they don't know who they're getting them from, but it makes them feel good. And it makes the person who's doing it feel good as well as the, the children who receive it. So it sends a purpose. It sends a message to everyone that there's still a lot of life and people who are in the land of the living. And that's what's most important, putting our efforts to what helps for the community. And I know we talked about this before. When we're dealing with young people in school, we're always dealing about trying to teach for the test, what we're going to do with our future. Mm -hmm. We learn about businesses that we're going to get direct, avocations, whatever it is that they're going to do, their future vocations or whatever they're going to decide on as young people. And they sometimes get out there in the business world. And some teachers will actually get you out there and go to a nursing home. And I try to break away that mentality of we're going to do something nice for those old people Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that feel that way. We're going to go visit those people in that home. Or let's ask questions about whatever. But let's see what we can do together. And I've done a number of different projects together with different age groups, not only the Girl Scouts, but one of my my happiest programs and my best programs I think that I've worked with is the reading program. Yeah,
1: Tell us about that more.
2: Well, um, I think this can be done any place. It's a Mm -hmm. matter of getting schools together that are in close proximity. And it was fortunate where I was in West Palm that they were right across the street. So the school would walk across the street in a class formation across the road and come over to our campus. And I designed the room for the chairs to be almost, it was almost like a case in ADD. You wouldn't figure out where the chairs were going on. They, They were all facing different directions because we wanted the kids to come in and not go with their friend, but find an empty seat. That was my instruction, find Uh an MTC, just go to an MTC. They didn't know what they were going to do exactly. And they were going to be next to a resident and that would be the person, the senior resident who they would look at and work with. And they would bring books over and they would go ahead and, and read to the, resident. They were told just to read to them or whatever. Nobody said, you know, you have to do X amount or whatever it is. And they actually uh, put this onto a clip in the news and I saw what was going on. I was only walking around the room and making sure everybody had what they needed and working with the teachers. to. And later on, I found out when I saw little segments of this, because they just filmed the person working with Uh the resident with the kid, that the resident would say to the child, oh, you look so lovely today. You really look beautiful. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, oh, good job. Oh, that's great. Because some of them couldn't even hear really, but they were just encouraging. We are always appropriate as we get older. We want to be socially appropriate. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to say the wrong things. So we always say something positive. Now you take a child who's in first or second grade and you say those things to them. We had this particular class in this school was in an area that was like considered the fourth lowest in the in the Palm Beach County or whatever mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. in terms of scores or whatever. And so this was encouraging to these children mm-hmm. because they would always come back to look forward to try to be with the people because, oh, this person's interested in me right. and I don't know them. Well, honestly, Ron, you're going to remember somebody you never met who said something nice to you and spent time with them because you'll be wondering what happened to that person. But they thought about me, you know, and maybe that's a mindset that will transform to as they get older to think about Mm -hmm. other people who are older. So I that was really a successful program. It went on for almost nine years. And I was very pleased to be part of that. I worked with one of the teachers who developed it in other classes. She had said to me she wanted to do something with arts and crafts. And I love reading. And I have been a volunteer and helping with reading in schools for forever because I do have that kind of a voice and working with kids. I try to get them excited about learning about what's on the written page and also what they can see and yeah. so forth. What
1: now what age groups are
2: these? Well the ones from that was in elementary school. Okay. So it went all the way up till about sixth grade or so, sixth okay. or seventh yeah. grade. Yeah.
1: But I think it's true, you know, especially in an age where <laughs> reading is 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 increasingly Scarce. <laughs> uh, I think to to have that kind of reinforcement and just pe- people paying attention to you. I think we we underestimate you know how much that counts in terms of you know. I think back to to my you know. I can still remember fairly as I'm sure you do fairly vividly you know in school when you're younger and and how much that really counts.
2: It counts a lot. Yeah. I remember my teachers. I always say that my English teachers had done so much for me to open up the page for me mm-hmm. in terms of being interested and being involved and right. that you know that's what a good teacher really does to inspire that child and the young ages are particularly important for that right. but then there's always the peer pressures they get older I mean in this time we've been working with virtual programs right so okay. I've been working with older groups in, okay. in the community I'm at now where we're doing the virtual program and we did something for the 9-11 commemoration yeah, for the 20th event- yeah. anniversary of the commemoration yeah. well we were trying to figure out what we could do together since Uh we couldn't bring them together and so we worked with the day school that they were going to put something together to share with the residents and that the residents would be able to think about some things that they would want to share as well so at least they had something to know they were coming together with this person they were going to see on a on a monitor and a big television set and be like what what do we do now because there's no direction you can give them to sit next to each other right right so the, the teachers made a beautiful um design with um with all kinds of peace signs. And it said, what does peace mean to me? And I kept on pushing because I wanted us to do a project I did up north here, uh, here in uh, New York, the program that I did with um, kids. And it was our seniors. We did something with the flag. This was right after 9-11. We took stripes of the flags and we had the kids sit side by side with the resident and write what it meant to be patriotic, what it meant to be American. And then in the Starbucks, we took a picture of the child, and the senior together that we did this project together. So I wanted to do it again, but the school was a little reluctant because they weren't quite sure, they didn't want it to be a craft project. And Mm so we came up with this idea together that would be the peace. And I said to them, well, could we have a flip side of that? We want to ask them, and the residents probably can't make this decision. They're in their eighties. They're not going to change the Mm -hmm. world per se. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you achieve peace? How? Could, what kinds of things do you think would get us to achieve that peace? Mm. And so it was an interchange and an exchange between them. And they listened to the children. And one of my residents said something very beautiful. She said, well, you know, it's treating someone as you would want to treat yourself. Right. And be treated right. very important. Right. Love thyself, thy neighbor as you would thyself. And right. that was Golden something rule. that you remember. Right. So trying to share that kind of thing to get to the point of, of peace. So it was really nice interchange because remember these kids were not alive in seventh grade they were these seventh graders when 9/11 happened. Mm. So history is so important for people to understand, even though it's harder to teach sometimes because we have video games, we have other we have celebrities who make millions and trillions of dollars that people aspire to different things and don't pay attention as much to the books as we talked about, you know yeah. that understanding well, if this happens in your lifetime or something is going on, Can we come together and negotiate? And that was the basis, I think, of what we got out of that is that people have to learn to negotiate and work together and understand one another.
1: Yeah, I think that you mentioned me earlier, too, about this. When you have projects like this, um, this is collaborative projects between younger and older, how important it is to have ways that you can each have a a takeaway for each side, you know, instead of, you know, I could sort of say, well, this is a great project. You just do it together. And then it's like, okay, well, who gets it? You
2: know. Well, that's happened with the flags because, uh, yes, we and I figured this with crafts as well. When you work with a project, you try to do two. So both you and someone else, you and the child, if you're the senior working with the child and you're the child, you would work together on one project and work on the other. And then they would each get one that they took home. Right. So they would have to work on each one of those together and have something that they can take with them. So they right. would have a. You know, they'd have something of their own, but they've made it together. And I'm one of those people that still feel about the respect. And I've seen this with groups. You know, teachers will bring in groups with me and we have a, let's say, pre-pandemic when you shared drinks and you were able to share some kind of a snack or whatever. My first thing was always the kids hungry or they're thirsty or whatever it is. Of course, they are. And I'd always say, okay, (laughs) well, this is what we're going to do first. You're going to come up here and serve the seniors first it's just a respectful thing because mm-hmm. my feeling is that they came before us they did they laid the foundation and the generation that we have, we owe to the people who came before us. And if we don't have that respect, right. that's an integral part of who we should be as a society, as an individual, that you should respect one another. Mm. And so, therefore, you offer that to that person. Right. And so, that was always my methodologies and always trying to keep control because the kids would see, oh, there's ice cream or there's something to drink or whatever it is. And it was always like, well, we had to wait first. We have to make sure that we're going to serve our elders because right. we're going to treat them with that respect and mm. teaching respect
1: well it's a very nice lesson i think that most people just say all right well there's older people there you know let's we'll get to them you know and uh, i so i think that's a really nice gesture and a really really nice lesson i think for people to see right
0: um
1: now um there you have lots of different programs
0: uh well
2: i've done a lot with with youth and as i'm thinking about it we've done physical fitness programs too uh that have worked very successfully i remember working with a physical fitness ex um person from, from school. Right. For, and he brought over, he wanted to do something with our seniors. And so we got the pedlars, which are tabletop bicycles. Right. And they work with the seniors and saw how long it took them to work within two minutes because many people are going into these fields like physical therapy, occupational therapy. So by learning and understanding the aging process, this is going to be you, this is going to be how it will be. You'll learn a lot more about that. So again, it teaches you relationships. It also teaches you how to be age appropriate and how Mm -hmm. to be appropriate with another person. I mean, we've done a program where we had an exchange for Thanksgiving and our residents would come over to this uh, little classroom and meet the students and they would write up, the kids would write up something about the seniors and they put together uh, like a little booklet. They took pictures and gave it back to the seniors. And they did this as part of a computer program too. But many children are sometimes are learning how to be socially appropriate and how to speak to someone else. Well, they learn valuable skills about how to get people to work with them Mm -hmm. in business, et cetera, things that would help you to learn how to work with another person to do something. And so those skills are not realized enough i think by mm-hmm. you know the school system and the infrastructure that it would be very beneficial to work together and learn things
1: yeah i think you know this collaborative approach you have i think is really distinctive and important you know i think that we we tend to segregate too much you know the older and the younger and so by bringing people into the process and even things like exercise i think certainly people are getting it that you can exercise you know for a long time in different ways age appropriate ways but you can do a lot more than you might think as you get older and to engage younger people in that process and basically see you know that you can still be vital you know at that age, at any age is an important lesson so we're going to just hold this thought and get back to a little bit more about your pro- other programs but we're going to take another short break folks but uh again there's much more to come with maria leonardo uh so don't go anywhere we will be right back
0: What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter? You can find us at Voice America TRN.
3: Are you looking for ways to make your business and your life better? Maybe it's time to think outside the box. Host Elsa Palmer Oden and her guests help you to rethink the way you approach challenges and strategies to get yourself on the right track. It's about business, it's about investing, it's about personal assistance and automation. But most importantly, it's about taking control of your life for the better. Outside the Box with Elsa can be heard Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, Please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward. We're talking today with Maria Leonardo, uh, expert in life enrichment uh, programs for seniors, Uh, Now, before we continue our conversation with Maria, I just wanted to mention that you can find out more about her by going to my website, roelresources.com. It's R-O-E-L, resources.com, clicking on the 45 Forward tab, and you can learn more about Maria and her programs there. Um, And you can, you know, for those who uh, may miss the the live broadcast, uh, there's also rebroadcast on on my site as well. So before the break, we were talking about your your programs and, and I want to just ask you a little bit more about, it. I know that you know uh, obviously things have been um, you know in flux with COVID and I just wanted to ask you how that's affected your programs. I know that there, there are protocols. I know some of your programs have gone virtual. Any other issues you've had to deal with to kind of keep going and, and uh, practice what is now a, a well uh, used word resilience <laughs> going forward?
2: Well, you know, you worry and you think, you know, people age. So we see the natural decline in Mm -hmm. cognitive abilities and at times physical changes, um, the ability we get concerned about the other issues. They have conditions underlying health issues and so Mm -hmm. forth. And one of the things that has become really uh, noticeable is the isolation of being in this pandemic. People get antsy. They want to be out. They want to be uh, able to just live and not, you know, be so to themselves. And that's very difficult at any age. I think we're seeing that that's happened to everyone. And um, so therefore these people who are, you know, residents and living in a community, for instance, do you feel separated because they're concerned about their loved one? They mm-hmm. talk to them on telephone, but they say, well, when will I get a chance to see them again is a fear that they have. And right. also about the interaction. As I've worked with them and, and seeing residents, they sometimes get a little bit um, upset and concerned and negative. It's a very easy thing to become negative because they can feel hopeless. They can feel like there's nothing there. Or what's going on? What we don't see clear of it. And honestly and truly, everything that's going on in the news is battering at everybody. We see this constantly. I mean, it is a it's continual. So what has happened is we realize now more than ever that one of the first things you think about cutting in any place is all your frills, right? You right. can't have the music program in school anymore. Let's cut right, the arts. Let's right, cut right. this. But as we've learned from, I mean, if you go back to leisure and and pursuits, you think about, um, all of those things in leisure. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright in this expanse area of what we're going to have for, for recreation. And Frederick Law Olmsted, who was a creator of the original ideas of having these beautiful areas for people to go to for leisure. Right. Well, that is the idea of we have something to go to. So that is the same rationale of anybody. Mm-hmm. What do we do with kids at home? What did you end up doing? You gave them video games. You gave them something. They could watch movies. That's all you kept doing is trying to feed things for them to do. Right. So the seniors, too, living in communities setting or being at home we found that more of them declined because they were at home and nobody was overseeing what was happening Mm -hmm. so you see their change an awful lot and not only the fact that they were vulnerable and most frail to be susceptible to COVID. so we tried to do some got involved with the virtual programming idea right zoom became something that was available right he found that Zoom is a little difficult for a senior because they see someone on the other end of the screen and there's no tangibility there. There's nothing that you can touch and reach out to. And I'm sure that was hard for teachers in school because that was a difficult scenario. But we did a lot of that. We were fortunate in my community because we ended up adding and expanding our TV network system. So I was Mm -hmm. able to use YouTube a lot and have programming for the residents there. Subsequently, we were very concerned about social Distancing and we right. developed programs where they can still come out and be distanced, but still be involved. Um, our residents would lead something where, for instance, we had a Shakespeare club, and they would lead it in their apartment and the residents would be on their computers watching it through zoom. Uh, We have a Socrates club and they did a similar type thing, talking about topics and issues and politics and things that they could do in our independent living community. So we did that. And also with the schools, as I mentioned earlier, the virtual thing, we did something for veterans day with one of the uh, charter private schools where they sang songs for the residents and Mm. they sang all the American patriotic songs to them. And the residents, you saw them, they were chiming in and they were getting involved in our nursing home and so forth. So it gave them the opportunity to still feel connected to the community. And that's the biggest thing that was important is to know what is still happening in the community.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's very, very true. And I think that, you know, it's, it, it takes some doing, but I think that the virtual experience in some ways, interestingly, can be intimate, you know, it's, it's sort of close up and, and you can connect with people, um, in spite of the fact that you can't touch them, but in, in this age, you know, you know, we have to be you know, cognizant of that and, and, and cautious about that. Uh, but I think you're, you're absolutely right that this kind of engagement uh, becomes even more important in times like you know, a pandemic and that, you know, connecting, you know, the social and the intellectual and the cognitive becomes a sort of a vital lifeline for, for seniors and really anybody.
2: Um, We engaged a group of uh, about thirteen to fourteen year olds with our residents, and it was uh, through another school component. uh, And they asked questions of the residents, and the residents asked these kids questions about how they're surviving through the pandemic. uh And many of our seniors paralleled the situations that happened through the war efforts and different Uh, things of that nature. So it educated these kids who are now experiencing this kind of crisis mode of what were we doing to understand a little bit more of the historical reference of the times that they lived through, you know, uh, when they had to get the polio vaccine, when they were very sick and, you know, through the AIDS epidemic, whatever the situation was and how this was tumultuous at that time. And that it's similar to the pandemic and the residents asked them, what are you doing with yourselves and how do you get through all of this? So it was a real appreciation, but understanding that someone at various ages had different feelings depending upon their age. It was very interesting. Yeah,
1: very nice. Um, but now, before we leave, I, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about you know, if, if uh, families are considering um, uh, assisted living facilities or other kinds of uh, adult care communities, and they have recreation programs, how do they assess these programs? What are some of the steps that families should go in terms of you know, asking questions about it, visiting, and so forth?
2: Well, um, one of the things I firmly believe in is the idea that everyone in the disciplines and through the different departments that work in a community setting are working with each other. And Mm -hmm. you do that in long-term care facilities like your nursing homes and your assisted livings by what they call the interdisciplinary care plan team and say the nursing home setting. So therefore the social worker, along with the nurse, along with the rehab person and the recreation activity person are involved in the plan of care of each resident. So therefore understanding how significant it is. I always look at it this way. If a resident is engaged in a program Then the certified nursing assistants and the nursing team can work with the people who need extra assistance because those people are involved in those programs. So what you want to do when you're going around is is looking at these things. You're allowed to ask and come in and tour and see what's going on. That's the best thing to do, Uh, to talk to the leaders in every um, organization that you're talking about and working with and understanding how that process works and asking questions. Most of these places have websites. Mm-hmm. So you can see and look for their calendars or you can go ahead in and, and find out about them and talk to the people and observe. Observation is really the best way because you can see how people interact And you can't always judge. I mean, I said uh, at the onset, you see a couple of people sitting down and they're, you know, they're residents who are not being engaged with any staff and they're by themselves. Is that bad? People aren't watching them. What's going on? Well, no, that's not bad. We're giving them space to be who they want to Mm -hmm. be. Because if we tell them, come on over here all the time, they'll feel stressed and they'll see other people. And sometimes that stimulates something in someone with a memory deficit that gets them upset or agitated because sometimes they're dealing with frustration. They're dealing with things they don't understand and they're, you know, and something comes back to them, a moment of lucidity or something that has occurred. And so, therefore, you don't overstimulate. And we found that out through a lot of different things. There's all kinds of studies about that. Mm -hmm. I saw a recent webinar and I'm trying to stay current on things that I have to do because I'm certified about how they took an example of someone who was in their room in a memory community, and they got permission to actually keep a camera in there Mm -hmm. and saw what this person was going through. They would keep continually go back to the bed that had a quilt on it with all these different patterns. Mm -hmm. And so all of these different things gave them too much stimulation. So family want them to have their home. Oh, I want my things to feel comfortable with. But in fact, maybe that's not necessary for them at this time. Mm -hmm. We have to just accept what they want to be involved and engaged in. And it's a family feeling. I think that's an important thing that you want to look forward to is that that feeling of working with staff, how they get along with each other and how they work together is important. That's another way that you can tell when you're observing in a community about how people get along and so forth. Because I firmly believe we're an extended part of the family of those residents who are kind of bestowed upon us for their care and love and so forth.
1: Right. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, that you can observe this stuff and you should observe it. So you should basically, if staff tells you about activities, we should say, well, can I observe that activity? Right. I mean, see what the engagement is like and Mm -hmm. find out, you know, how many people show up at various things. Right.
2: Yes. But in fact, when you think about a a nursing home, for instance, where you have people who might be predominantly in wheelchairs and need the Mm -hmm. escort to be where they're going, They, too, are most of the time when you see people in a nursing home setting, a lot of times their decline is both physical and cognitive. So, therefore, they may not be responding in the way we expect a fully functional, walking, talking, professional person working around at Mm -hmm. any age to Mm -hmm. be. And so you might be someone might be giving them the cue. There might be a, a therapist working with them, and sometimes they're not responding as well. But the idea of being with someone and that socialization should be okay. That's enough to witness and observe because you might not be able to always get something out of someone. But the fact that you feel safe and comfortable, that they feel safe and comfortable with you and that they are not agitated and you see physical activity or something that's not right out of the resident is what you would be observing for. Because most of the time in this setting, you're going to maybe see smaller groups. It's not all about why isn't there a big group of people outside and in the group and the activity, because maybe some people are doing something in their room or they're being seen by a therapist. A lot of the day, for a person who's in a nursing home might be receiving rehab attention, and right. therefore they tire. So we won't be able to maximize them throughout the day in programming. So it's a give and take and a balance depending upon their physical level of ability.
3: Right,
1: right. So before we go, I just wanted to give you a, a, an opportunity to talk about something quite different, Okay. <laughs> which is in, in the sense of, uh, you know, but we did talk about sort of your feeling about with these senior programs of community involvement and engagement. So you have another uh, totally different side of you, which deals with um, saving turtles. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about that before we go. I just want to talk a couple minutes about, you know, your efforts there. Cause it, I think that's another important part of recognizing nature as part of us.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, and I guess in my respect, I'm the campus, director of volunteers as well. And as I mentioned, I've been a volunteer since I was very, very young, since mm-hmm. sixth grade. And, you know, I see it, even my brother, I mean, we're all involved in volunteer efforts. And so I have gotten involved with the blood drives and helped out in reading programs and doing different things. And I now presently help with the theater and I'm an Usher as well when I have free time and mm-hmm. I go ahead and do turtle patrol for Florida Wildlife Commission. And so I'm one of those people who go out and in South uh, Southwest Florida, where I live, of course, the turtles come to the beach to lay right. their, their their eggs and so forth. So I've been doing this now in my sixth year, where actually we go out and we rope off those areas with, um, um, with the tape that you see not to disturb them and so forth, and then come back after the amount of time after those la- eggs have been laid to go ahead and inventory the nest after we've seen that those turtles have gotten out and made their journey to the beach into the water and we go and do that type of a thing. So yeah, that's a big important part to me. And uh, as you know, there's a lot of things that you feel good that you're doing something and you're helping everyone out. But I see a lot of things now that have been going on in Florida, for instance, the red tide, which is a big issue down there. And we see this through pollution and everything else. Is a reminder to everybody if I just plug the fact that everyone should be cognizant and aware, and we talk about it is it laziness? Is it someone who doesn't know? But I never could understand. And I would walk the beach early in the morning and I would also bring a garbage bag. Right. And I'd be picking up a lot of things that either get washed up from the sea because there's right. uh, some things out there I haven't seen yet or no one's seen, but there's amazing things. Right. After Irma came, there was like this giant billboard that was on the beach. It was amazing. Right. 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 So, so yeah.
1: Well, that could be a, a
2: Another topic. Another discussion.
1: topic for another show. Uh, <laughs> there, there's obviously a lot more we can talk about. And I, I do love uh, you know your efforts with turtles. Uh, but we're probably going to have to leave it there for today. I just want to let you know, if people want to contact you, uh, how do they reach you? It's uh, Okay. Uh, they can
2: they can either call me on my cell phone number if they'd like to. It's um, 631-816-8713. Or I am available by email at moleo.com. 1362 at cs.com. So that's catsam.com. Great.
1: Okay. So, once again, folks, I'll tell your friends if they missed my conversation today with Maria, they can listen to it on voiceamerica.com to search my show 45 Forward. You can also find it on Apple and Google Podcasts uh, and other spots where you listen to your podcasts. Uh, so, folks, um, be sure to join me next week, same time, Monday, 12 noon. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll be talking with Debbie Ginsburg, the owner of organized you for life, professional organizer extraordinaire. So folks until then, keep moving forward. 45 forward.
0: Thank you for tuning in to 45 forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel for another great show next Monday at 12 noon, Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the voice America variety channel. We wish you a great week.